is the sound of someone saying, oh shit, right after their door closes music to your ears. Have you ever rolled up to a house and thought, I really shouldn't be here? Or have you ever been in the shop and had a caller sigh heavily when you tell them it's going to be at least two hours before you can be there? On this episode of the podcast for Locksmiths by Locksmiths, we'll talk about these issues and more as it relates to da 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 lockouts. I'm Tyler J. Thomas, and joining me are handsome Tim Coleman and Jeff, my name is Jeff, boss, this is the Three Tumblers. So lockouts can be the bread and butter of a new locksmith who's first out on their own. But should it be the focal point of every locksmith business? Probably not, at least in my eyes. Lockouts can be dangerous at the most and unprofitable at the least. So here's my philosophy on the matter. I've been in this for 16 years, and it seems like once, twice, sometimes more, depending on the year, uh, we get stories of locksmiths who are murdered out in the field of work. And almost always the impetus for the call is a lockout. Sometimes you get evictions, but almost always it's lockouts. So Tyler's philosophy is that lockouts are not good unless it's a repeat or a referred client, somebody you can trust or somebody you have a track record with. So unless you're a new locksmith starting out where you can take whatever comes your way. You need to build money. You need to build clientele. You've got to just survive. Those should be the only ones taking lockouts. If you're established, it ain't worth it. I mean, where are you getting at most 75, 100, 150? I don't know, maybe more on overtime after hours, but uh, that's not really worth it for your techs. Uh, money's great and all, but at the end of the day, you don't want to be providing for a widow, a family. You don't want to have anything to do with it. So Tyler's philosophy says, uh, unless you're new and starting out, you shouldn't be touching locks, uh, lockouts. Uh, and, and I know, well, I'll hearken back to something for concealed carry permit holders. It's, it's not necessarily the likelihood. It's what's at stake. And we're talking about a human life here. And that trumps everything. So that's my philosophy. And I don't care if you agree with it or not. I'm going to stick to it. Tim, what say you? Well, I mean, I agree with you. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those issues in my blog uh, coming up. But also for a new locksmith, uh, you can't really expect that lockouts are going to be all you get all day long. Or, Or if you do lockouts all day, every day, uh, eventually you're going to come across something that you can't get into. And so that's going to turn into a waste of time. Uh, you're going to lose money on it because you shouldn't charge for a lockout call that you can't get the lock unlocked. Right. Uh, and then if you get in by drilling, you should have replacement parts with you. And we see a lot of that. In, in our area, people will call us on Monday and say, hey, I got locked out Friday night and some quote unquote locksmith came, drilled out my lock and didn't have a replacement. So I've not been able to lock my apartment or my condo or whatever all weekend. So if you're new, then you definitely should know what you're up against. 
as far as being able to do it and having replacement parts. It's not always going to be simple picking, bumping, or under the door tool. Completely agree. You know, the the picture that I showed you guys yesterday of last couple of years ago at the radio station here in Cleveland where, you know, it was catastrophic failure of the door, the mortise lock, and they beat the crap out of it with a sledgehammer. You know, the building maintenance didn't call a locksmith. They just busted the door open. You know, we get more commercial, like Tyler is saying, established customers. Uh, this lock stopped working and we need it fixed now uh, calls than we do, you know, we don't do lost keys for cars or we do very, very, very few car lockouts. It's only if it's, you know, in the shopping center that we're at, um, you know, most of the time when somebody calls and they're locked out, we're just too busy. We don't have somebody waiting around for it. Um, but when it's the grocery store or the bank or one of our regular accounts that can't get into a cash office or something like that, those are the, you know, we're going to go get them in, replace the lock, keep it on their system, do what needs to be done. You know, that's repeat business versus, you know, lockouts when you're, you know, I think when you're getting started, you're going to try to take every call that comes in because you don't necessarily have a choice. Um, and like you said, I think that what, what distinguishes professionals from the more disreputable locksmiths is the, you know, AAA 24-7 emergency locksmith get you in your house and, you know, if you want it busted in, you can call the fire department. I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do, but I've seen things that have to be fixed uh, from, you know, scammers. And I've seen what happens when, you know, police and fire departments have to get you in. And, you know, it's just, it, it, I can't tell somebody how to run their business, you know, I'm just an employee of a company and I know that what we, you know, we just, you know, don't do a ton of lockouts. Most of it, you know, the apartment buildings or something, um, you know, they have maintenance people. So if somebody, you know, they'll let them in and then, you know, we might refeed the lock the next day. You know, when, when we're on call, I think they get more calls, you know, of the commercial nature, like, you know, again, the store, it's a holiday and they're locking up, and something failed, you know, we're, we're trying to weed that stuff out. So it may not even get to the guy, you know, if it's a residential after 10 o'clock or something, I don't even think the, the technician will get the, is, you know, the answering service just tells them to call back in the morning and they'll probably call somebody else. And if they get them in, they do. And if not, you know, you, know, you can't really schedule lockouts in advance, in advance. So it's sort of, you know, yeah, you're turning you're turning work away, but I think at some point you can afford to do that. So, you had a like, good point too there about uh, calling other locksmiths, and that's a, a travesty. Is how it happens is a lot of people are locked out and they just start calling, and whoever gets there first, you know, you may have four or five locksmiths on the way, and they get there at the same time. But these people don't care. They don't care that they're inconveniencing. They just figure, well, whoever gets here first gets my money. And now <laughs> you're young, you're new. Spend that time, that money, the fuel, vehicle wear and tear. You get there, and there's three other guys already there, somebody else already there, and you don't get the job. Uh, I think uh, Jason Meeks, SE Lock and Key. I think he's made a very, very good point of that. I've not personally ran into it since I've been doing this, but uh, I think the the example or the uh, 
um, analogy that he came up with is it's like ordering the same pizza from five different pizza places at the same time and you know only paying the one who shows up first um but i mean like our business to what jeff was saying you know our shop we give away four to five jobs a day every day just because we're that busy and you know we don't have time to go out for stuff like this now if it's a uh if it's a good customer or you know like an established customer like jeff was saying or is something where we do have the time we've got somebody available and it's fairly close by then yeah we'll go down and you know we'll unlock the the business or house or car or whatever uh but also the service that we offer our customers residential and commercial is if we rekey their house we store their key bidding in our system and so monday through friday nine to five if they come to our shop show their id say hey you know you guys came out rekeyed our house six months ago pulled the door shut behind me logged myself out uh we can actually cut a key to code and just say here you know here's the key go let yourself in charge them for the key instead of you know the 100 bucks for the lockout or whatever you know who else does that <laughs> minute key at like home depot and Lowe's and shit like you can yeah. save you can see you can save your biddings on file yeah. yeah but you can't get it instantly it takes like saving your biddings they they can't make the key at the kiosk can they just a duplicate oh, i don't i don't know i don't use that i'm just saying i i see that advertised yeah. I, I just i was just shitting on them that's all and we have, we have done that. We don't make a habit of it just for liability reasons. But if it's something that we just did it and the paperwork sitting there and we don't have to necessarily dig for it, all right, 20 bucks, you can come get the key, you know, whatever. And more, I think more of what we keep on file is for our own when we're keying up stuff or when we're going to a job and they're not going to be there, you know, on the commercial side, we have master keys on file and stuff like that, you know. It's just not usually not worth diverting somebody for, you know, a hundred bucks or 125 bucks um, when they could be on a, a much bigger job. And, you know, but like for the right customer or at the right, you know, if it's on someone's way home or if they're three technicians sitting at the shop at the end of the day, you know, yeah, they'll go do it. But yeah, I think you're, you're doing a good job of, of kind of recapping what I would suggest and that if you're established, you know, the profitability of it, it's really not going to be much. Well, I don't know what lockouts run, but I guess 75, 100, 150, something like that. Uh, but you're going to expend at least what, almost an hour to and back and your text could be better spent somewhere else. Yeah. So I, I, again, first starting out, need all that money, need the revenue need business, need clientele, all that. Sure. Fine. But once you get beyond that point, Stop bothering with it. Let somebody else go chase. It's not worth it. Well, even if you're just starting out, you know, like I was saying a minute ago, if you're just starting out, there's some of those logouts that you just need to walk away from before you even try to start. Uh, You know, if you get to a a house, you know, residential logs lockout and they've got all quick set smart key on their doors, you're going to have to drill. Uh, unless if you've got one of the cool decoder scopes um, that you've put all kinds of money into, you're going to have to drill that cylinder out or know one of the secret bypasses for that 
hardware. So you're going to wind up spending at least an hour and you're going to have to replace their hardware. Do you have that on, on hand when you get there? I wish you had saved that story because for Jeff's segment, that was going to be my story about a quick set smart key lockout, but I'm going to save it till then. We'll, we'll go back to fellas. Any uh, final points on this segment? Don't lose any money trying just to make money. You shouldn't spend money to make money. That's a good point, especially when it comes to uh, that Hummer tax loophole or whatever they call it. Jeff, anything else? Uh, what if I'm doing the lockouts on my uh, Gator uh, ATV, though? What if I get to drive yeah. around? Yeah, buy, buy a dune buggy to make yeah, That's a good idea. Solid business choice. Yep. All right. Well, since we pretty much just scared the shit out of new and want to be locked this, let's uh, get some safety tips from him after a short break. In my short career as a locksmith, I found a number of commonalities with my prior career in law enforcement. From looking for clues about what's wrong with the door or lock, to reading customer reactions, but also safety concerns when on a job. Locksmiths can be called in some sticky situations, but there are clues to look for prior to getting into a bad spot. I think that probably where we can all start with this is information that we gather over the phone. If you are going to take a lockout job, try to get as much information before you even walk out the door or put your truck in drive, you know, ask, ask questions like, you know, other than name and address, ask questions like, uh, does your name and address on your driver's license or ID card match the address of where I'm unlocking? If it doesn't, do you have proof that you own that property? you know, utility bill, property tax record, something. Anybody who's got a smartphone can pull that information up. You know, and and also anything where they say, oh, well, I'll meet you there or, uh, you know, any type of information like that. For auto lockouts, make sure that their name on their driver's license matches the name on the vehicle registration. And once you get there, don't be afraid to walk out. I mean, don't be afraid to look at it and say, hey, this is not for me. Uh, this isn't what I signed up for. Before you even touch anything, if you feel that way, it is okay to back out. You're not a cop. You're not a firefighter. You're not EMS. You have absolutely every right to back the hell out and go on to your next job and just leave all that behind. They can figure it out themselves. Jeff, I mean, what what? kind of information do you get for the few lockout calls you know or the specific lockout calls that your shop takes what are some specifics that you get uh when you talk to somebody on the phone in your shop mostly what you said you know we'll look up sometime you know we'll if it doesn't sound right we'll look it up and see who actually owns it you know and uh make sure that that's matches who's calling us um before we even say if we can do it um you know i don't know that there's necessarily a hard and fast rule that you have to do that every time maybe you should um you know do you if you're renting it is it you know whose house is it is it if it's an apartment there's different things you know it, it just sort of depends on on who's calling in exactly and i mean you want to make sure that you get the information of the person 
you know, for one thing. And yeah, I take it with, with your shop, you know, pretty much where all of your, your field guys are going, right? I mean, nobody's doing anything somewhere off on their own for a job and nobody at the shop does not know where they are. Right. And when you're, and, and there are people that come in in person that say, Hey, I'm locked out and they'll show, you know, here's where I live this, you know, and we just don't have, you know, again, we just may not have somebody who can do it, but they, if they're coming in person, they can show us that. So, you know, it's pretty easy to, to, to tell, you know, by actually seeing the person, right. Uh, you know, the, the, the car lockout calls it, it's a non-issue because we don't do them or the loss keeps, you know, we just say, sorry, we don't do that. You know, so that, that would be a whole different element of, you know, knowing that it's really somebody's car or not. Um, right. Guess, like, if you have to put that much into it, then it's probably not worth doing. Exactly. Tyler, I mean, your shop, I know you, you don't really do lockouts, but you have in your past um you know what what kind of things do you look for even if everything seems to check out on the phone once you get there what do you look for or what did you look for back in the day i had a uh, the guy that taught me a, had a app on his phone this was 2011 12 so this was the early ends of it but uh he had a credit card validator so he would request a credit card before he started his truck to go out and I don't know how this app worked, but uh, it would at least verify that the information was correct. Didn't process funds, didn't check funds, but at least saying, hey, you know, the issuer matches up these numbers, the expiration, all that. Everything seems good. So that was number one that he taught me. Number two, uh, you know, beyond asking all the questions was just kind of having a pulse on the situation once you got there. Uh, a lot of times you get these calls two, three in the morning, last call bars, closing all that. And you get down there and it's clear that this person's two sheets to the wind, three sheets to the wind, whatever they call it. Uh, what you said, Tim, about feeling comfortable to walk away. I don't want to be the person that unlocks that car. They get in, they start driving, they kill themselves. They kill somebody else. $75, $150, whatever. Ain't fucking worth it to me. So just saying, hey, look, you shouldn't be driving to begin with. Why am I unlocking this? I'm I'm out of here. So yeah, I, I understand that. And, you know, it's 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 a pretty shitty way to do it. And the office can deal with it Monday, but um I, I don't want that on my conscience. I don't want that on on me. So I yeah, there's nothing wrong with going above and uh going beyond it all and just saying, look, I'm not doing this job. Exactly. And I mean once you once you get to a lockout even if everything seems to be you know above board you know maybe it's four in the afternoon not four in the morning and you're there but the people you know your customers are starting to act a little fishy or something uh they're acting nervous it's perfectly fine just to throw your tools in the truck and say you know what guys look call somebody else and get out of there I think that's the the general thing. Like the biggest thing is pay attention to the people around you. Pay attention to, uh, you know, it, it, the customers or or would be customers, and just use common sense. You know, trust your gut feeling with things. Any final thoughts about all this? 
No, I, I think that hit on it, but mainly um, trusting your gut's a big one. I know a lot of us carry when we go out and do these jobs. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of situations and scenarios where somebody could get the drop on us, so to speak. But uh, you can avoid a lot of that by just trusting that intuition that the situation ain't right. I'm going to cut bait and just end it right here and then walk away. Yep. That's better than having to resort to what you carry. I mean, I'm still a sworn police officer and I carry, I can carry everywhere in the state and I do every day, but if I don't have to rely on that or don't feel like I have to go to that, then it's been a good day uh, because I've used my brain first and said, Nope, I ain't doing it. So. Yeah, the be- most successful concealed carrying person is the person that never has to carry, or I mean, uh, pull. That yep. should always be the goal. Exactly. All right, when we come back, Jeff will invoke story time, and we can discuss pain in the ass, embarrassing, or otherwise interesting lockout stories. Okay, so I'm going to invoke the war story rule where each of the three of us are allowed to share one war story that is directly related to our theme of lockouts. So a few years ago, I took in a call. They said that it was uh, just a reeky, you know, of a one door of a house. They had keys, whatever. Well, when our tech and our technician went out there, they verified everything. Well, it turned out that it was an eviction. And there was somebody there that they didn't bother telling us. And the person who called in, her husband was a cop and even told her like that we couldn't do the work. Why did you call them? So, you know, I think we charged them for a service call and got the heck out of there. It's like, we can't do that. And, and evictions are the same way. I mean, at least that stuff, you know, you, you schedule and you have somebody else there. And, but that's a, those are almost always a pain in the rear end too. Um, so that, I guess is one war story um, because like I said, because most of the calls don't end up really happening. You know, I, I think the one that I joke about a lot, you know, you is when a guy, this guy came in and, Oh, you know, I locked myself out of my house. I had to go sleep in my ex-wife's house. Like all this stuff, like he just needed us to come out and rekey his house. Like we don't need all that information. It's just, you know, you get the whole life story thing. Um, and then there was a house that we went out to and uh, the woman had disconnected the house from the septic system and it was pretty gross. And she's on the do not service ever list. Well, I think, you know, with, uh, with that whole deal where the guy said, you know, he had to go to his ex-wife's house and stay there and everything that kind of, you can kind of draw some of that information out from people over the phone. Uh, kind of to the point I was making earlier is, you know, you you get more information and and ask and the more questions you ask, the more people will tell you what's going on. And it can keep you out of a sticky situation, because if it comes out that somebody's wanting you to let them into their ex-wife's house, then that's going to be a bad, bad. Place no, if that you. wasn't this at all. That was he got locked out of his house and had to stay with his ex-wife. Uh, well, that sucks for him. Yeah. But 
Because <laughs> he's going to have to stay with his ex-wife and call a different locksmith. No. Why? We it doesn't we it was his house that he needed rekeyed. It wasn't a problem. We went and uh, did. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I'm just saying that we didn't need all of the, you know, it's like I had breakfast this morning, I did this, I did that, I did that. I'm like, we all we need to know is what you need from us now. now. Right. Jeff was <laughs> Jeff was like, shut the fuck up, just tell me what I need to do to do pretty my much. Job. Right. So Tyler, I'm sure you have some war stories from your uh younger days of Shit, yeah, I do. Then my voice cracked because I'm sick. Uh, what Tim was saying earlier about that quick set smart key back in 09, maybe, first came out. I had to do a lockout at a condo. Um, the homeowner or the condo owner of town, and something was leaking in their unit to the unit below. So I had to do this all by phone because they were in Florida and I'm in Atlanta. So it was a smart key, and this was before the tryout key set, all these bypass tools, everything came along. And, you know, I was up Shit's Creek trying to figure out how to do this because it was brand new at the time. And so finally I thought, oh, well, you have the key. You're out of town. Send me a picture of the key. And I had a Nextel phone back when it was the chirp, you know, beep, beep, you know, all that. And But we could still get photos. It was a flip phone. So I said, send me a picture of your key. So they sent me a picture of the key. I was able to decode the key by looking at it uh, on the camera or the, the picture that they sent me, a little two by three inch screen, and was able to uh, originate a key or at least make a key that worked first try. So I, I always thought that that was, that was the peak of my locksmithing career right there. And it happened... Uh, uh, 13 14 years ago so it's all been downhill since you know we did that actually day before yesterday uh a business neighbor of ours who's like the same parking lot you know shopping center area uh they were out of town and the girl they had watching their house locked herself out and they called and said could you please go do that well we didn't have anybody who could actually drive around over there to do it because they live just like three houses down from the shop but i said send me a picture of your key and your id and tell me her name and all that good stuff and i punched one out to code based on deciphering the key and the girl came and picked it up and she never came back because i told her i said come back if it doesn't work i'll try it again so that's pretty awesome to be able to do that yeah i can't remember the exact story but something like that similar happened with a another locksmith and a guy I used to work with at the shop and he went that he had the intel before he went to the job and he had already created the key based off of the picture so he walks up to the store and he's got three keys in his hand so he puts them all between his hands in a ball and starts rattling like that and he blows on it and he's making this big scene this big presentation and he knows which one it is so he picks it up out of there and he, Puts it in the lock and unlocks the door. Doesn't tell the person why the hell he did it, the story of it, all that. So this woman's understanding of locksmiths is probably fucked for the rest of her life. Jeff, doesn't this all go to uh, what you always tell people about never posting pictures of their keys online? Right. It's just stupid. People don't, <laughs> you know, there's just no reason to do that. Mm-mm. But well, how else am I going to flaunt my purchases if I can't show everybody else? Hold on. Right. Well, you could show them the deed or something. And, uh, you know, 
or your various uh, tax sheltered trusts that you put all your uh, various rental properties into. Yeah, well, it's just easier if I can just brag about it without having to actually collaborate. Right. So, Tim, did you share yours or am I totally off off the page now? No, I didn't share mine. Uh, mine actually happened a couple weeks ago. And there's one evening uh, I worked at the shop, you know, all day. And it was probably 20 minutes till five. And my boss looks at me and says, hey, forgot to have you go do this. It was something simple, swapping out a couple cores for uh, an established customer on a project we've been working on. And customer location was like two minutes away. And he said, you know, just go do that. And then you can go straight home. So I got in my car instead of the work truck and drove up there, did that. And on my way back home, it takes me right in front of the shop. And as I'm passing the shop, I glance over to my side and I see, you know, cars parked in there as always, because there are several businesses, including a restaurant. And I see a vehicle pulled kind of in front of where I would normally park and one of our trucks. And I uh, don't think much of it. And about two seconds later, as I'm driving down the road, my boss texts and he says, AAA is here doing an unlock in the parking lot of our shop. And <laughs> he's sitting in his car watching some AAA dude, like with a long reach tool going in from the driver's side door, having the vehicle owner try to help him as a spotter to grabbing a hunt the handle or whatever and sets the alarm off like two or three times and i i kept asking my boss i'm like please get pictures or video or something and he's like no this is just too embarrassing i have to leave now and, and i mean because the the vehicle that the person was locked out of was literally parked between one of our trucks which is a 14 foot billboard and our trailer which is another portable billboard and the AAA guy could not get him in. I mean, I guess eventually he got him in because the vehicle wasn't there in the morning, but that was just kind of funny, you know, to be locked out in the parking lot of a locksmith shop. <laughs> I have a story. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how this happens either because our business name is security engineering consultants. Nothing really screams locksmith but about once a week i will get a call from one of these triple a types these insurance company types asking if we do vehicle unlocks and i can only guess that they're finding us through findalocksmith.com which is the lowest thing but i have no idea how we're getting these calls metro lock maybe that should well that's been discontinued for about a year now nothing's under metro lock anymore not even our or DBA or whatever on the website. Uh, oh, is it? Well, no. but anywho, it's it's just bizarre that we're getting calls all the time about lockouts and shit like that. And uh, but it's it's funny that it, it happened right in front of his shop. I, I you know I wouldn't fucking surprise me if somebody gets locked out right in front of ours. But <laughs> even if they were to walk in and say, "Can you unlock it?" I'd say, "Shit, no." Even if it was like your neighbor in the business complex, and you. Uh, Probably don't even I, I we don't even have, we don't even have automotive tools. I don't have anything. What 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 could I do besides the? I mean, I we've got tennis balls there. I could do the tennis ball trick. I guess. <laughs> do you have tape? you have? Oh yeah, you have tennis balls for the dogs. 
Yeah, yeah, I can. I can do the tennis ball trick thing with the tape, put the big X on the window. Yeah, I got some. I got some tape. I could. I could do the tape trick. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So, any final thoughts, as Jerry Springer would say? Think I have none. I think we've shared all our worst stories. So we've scared the shit out of you, told you how to maybe keep yourself safe, and shared our versions of your same old war stories. What's left? Well, spare parts as always. And we're back for my favorite part of the podcast, Spare Parts, where we share whatever odds and ends we find interesting. Handsome Tim, start us off. Well, as many of our listeners probably have realized, we're about a week or so behind on recording schedule, and that's partly my fault, uh, specifically my gut's fault. I had a uh, brush with, well, not a brush with, it was a full-on encounter with diverticulitis, Uh, About a week ago, I am on the mend now. Pretty much what I was saying earlier, listen to your gut. That includes actual health care. If things just aren't feeling right, nothing you do seems to relieve it, go see a doctor. I did and found that out. So, uh, But I'm on the mend, uh, finishing up my course of antibiotics, hopefully soon, because they suck and uh, seem to be doing fairly decently as compared to what I was last week. Yeah, that shit always scares me, like appendicitis and diverticulitis. It's, it's. I've known a few people that have had both, and I've known of people that have died from both, and I just don't fuck around with that. So I'm, I'm glad you're on the mend, and I hope to never have to experience it. Uh, my spare part, I got to work on locks for a 1966 Chevy van this week. It's pretty cool. I sent you guys pictures of how dirty and corroded it was, and I was able to resurrect it. The only thing it, it, it needed a new face cap and some new tumblers, as it were, but uh, I didn't have to replace the actual lock. And, uh, you know, for original parts, I think that's pretty good. It's pretty cool. So it was like an old, what, A-Team van or something? Yeah, I'd uh, no, be older than that. Probably. Yeah, A-Team van was like 70s or 80s. Yeah, 66, which is the last year that they, I believe it was the last year that they used the B-10, B-11 keyway. Uh, they used the, the, that's when they went, 67 is when they went to the A through K six cut keyways. Yeah, that was three years before the summer of love. 69? Yeah, you got it. You got it. Nice. Thank you. Uh, my spare part is, uh, well, not as serious as Tim's, but I've been fighting a cold because my crotch goblins bring uh, disease and famine with them when they come back from school and all that. So uh, if you hear it now, my voice is uh, not deeper than normal. My balls did not just drop. I'm just sick, and I'm getting over it. And I think I'm I'm back on the mend like Tim. And hopefully by the time you hear us next time, we'll be sounding better and in better spirits because we're not going to be dead. Anything else, gentlemen? Uh, working on another big IC job this week. I have to do like 25 cores with three keys each and a bunch of lever sets. Tyler would have it. Oh, can I? Two hours. Can I? I I, I was uh, I was looking at our buddy, uh, uh, Society Professional Locksmiths. I was looking at their website the other day, and they have a section on interchangeable core that they have appropriately called IC core. 
which bugs the ever-loving shit out of me, especially if you're proclaiming to be a society of locksmiths. You should know that IC stands for Jeff. Interchangeable. That's right. So why the fuck would you call it interchangeable core core? You fucking idiots. Well, no, I just said Anything that. else, Tim? IC stood for interchangeable. You're saying that the I is interchangeable. The C is core. That's right. No, it's... No, no, I, I interchangeable is one word. So interchangeable, I core, interchangeable core. I see. I just said, call oh, yeah. It, I, I, yeah. Well, then you're fuck, you're fucking wrong, buddy. No, and, I uh, said, I said, I is interchangeable. C is core. Okay, so they've got an interchangeable core, core. No, that I listen. in Bill Link's class. I've heard what AJ said about it, and I agree. And there's one guy who calls it an ICC, and that's wrong. An ICC. Inter interchangeable core 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 interchangeable core is one word though I know or no, interchangeable is one word again I agree oh, okay are we, like... so are we arguing or... no I'm agreeing with you okay okay well still it's like Tim. tumblers you know who who what what self-respecting locksmith uses the term tumblers or fit you know the key will fit the lock come on now well, I, I tell you as I'm working with list council more and we're getting to the nuances of some of these obscure definitions that only five of us will ever look at tumblers is a very good catch-all and I'm not saying that the consumers got it right they just latched onto it but tumblers fucking works for a lot of things and I'm a big I know we do it tongue-in-cheek and kind of ironically but I'm a big fan of the word tumblers it works you're saying that just to uh, boost the podcast? No, it's it's legit. If you look at the list council, any definition, either Tumblr or dealing with Tumblr, uh, it's 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 it fucking works. I mean, whoever defined it to begin with did. But if your lock only has three tumblers, that might be a problem. Yeah, I think that's fair. We're doing good to have three tumblers today. Oh, fuck. See, I didn't even get that reference. I thought we were talking about like a wafer log or something. You know, three tumblers is better than no tumblers. But, you know. Huh. That could be our motto instead of decent locksmiths. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these antibiotics have got me and Tim all fucked. All right, yep. fellas. Uh, you've managed to waste another hour of time listening to us, but we hope you got something out. Our director of ethics and honesty is you, Zach. Our eBay specialist is Selma Junkoff. Good old Selma. And our chief legal counsel is Huey Lewis Dewey of Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Otherwise known around our social media accounts is Huey Dewey Dewey. Be safe out there. Don't put yourself in a bad spot. The Shitter's Pool. Let's do it. Thanks. This has been a Three Tumblers production, season one, episode five, copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Find this episode and others where you listen to your podcasts.